My name is Michelle and I'll be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Institute of Divine Metaphysical Research. This is a school and not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. This Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. This has been improperly substituted with Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. This has been improperly substituted with God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. This has been erroneously substituted with Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles, not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is a title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable, is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh on this chart depicted as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself as a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We've drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? 
a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how everything is made and operate according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our primary constitutional aims and objectives of the Institute are as follows. First, help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, both modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of mortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. I would just like to take a moment and welcome our returning visitors, Tatiana and Jenny. It's good to have you back with us again. Also, just a quick announcement that we will be streaming live to YouTube tonight, I believe. And we will go ahead and get class started with a prayer by Dr. Sasha Rachmelievich from the Madison, Wisconsin branch. And then our scripture will be John, the third chapter, if that could be read by Dr. Delilah Tucker from the Madison, Wisconsin branch. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. So let's take a moment and let's bow our hearts and minds before our Heavenly Father. And Father, we thank you for giving us another opportunity to come together in unity to learn about you and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for all your blessings you're giving us. Thank you for your patience with us and for your loving kindness. 
thank you for keeping us in your light and in your truth. And most of all, thank you for the gift of eternal life through your son, Yahshua. In Yahshua's name, let us all say, Hallelujah. 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 Uh, can everybody hear me okay? Yes, you yes, can. Okay, I'll be reading John 3rd. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Yahshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know not thou art, we know that thou art a teacher come from Elohim. But no man can do these miracles that you that thou do, except Yahweh be with him. Yahshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Yahweh. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yahshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Yahweh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell where, whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that, that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Yahshua answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do not we do know and testify that we have seen and ye have received and ye received not our own witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe me not, how shall ye believe if I told you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For Yahweh sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the word through him might be saved, that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of Yahweh. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. And man loveth darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deed may be made manifest, 
that they are wrought in Yahweh. After these things came Yahshua and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also baptizing in Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. But John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Messiah, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my voice, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is, that is in the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that Elohim of truth. For he whom Elohim hath sent speaketh the words of Elohim, for Elohim giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hands. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of Yahweh abideth on them. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Our readers this evening will please be Dr. Andrea Volpe from the Oceanside, California branch, and also Dr. Gail Josephson from the Green Bay, Wisconsin branch. We are going to have a topic this evening, which is why was man created? We will begin with a three speaker format with each speaker getting approximately 35 minutes. And our first speaker this evening will be Dr. Michael Josephson from the Green Bay, Wisconsin branch. Thank you. Good evening, class. Hi, Mike. Good evening. Um, could, could, you, could I have that repeated again, what you wanted for the, the topic tonight? The topic is why was man created? And also as a side note, we could add what is his purpose? Thank you. <laughs> that didn't help, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry. Yeah. Neil's going to get my first scripture. Um, Isaiah 46, 9. 
through 11. Isaiah 46 and 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am Yahweh and there is none else. I am Yahweh and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times of things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executes my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. So Yahweh has a purpose and uh that's what that scripture reading talks about. And um, how about let's let's go to the tabernacle pattern. Um, see. In Yahweh's purpose, it says right across the top of that chart, man made in the image of Elohim by the pattern of the tabernacle. Okay, so let's go back to uh, Genesis, you know, we're two something. Genesis 1, 26, 27. No, Genesis 2, 7. No, no. Uh, making a likeness and image. That's what you want. Okay. In Genesis 2, 7, doesn't it say Yahweh foreign man of the dust of the ground? Yes, it does. Okay. That's what I want. Okay. Genesis 2 and 7. And Yahweh Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Okay. And what, what, what was that scripture you talked about, Sasha? Because I think that ties in with this too. It's uh, Genesis 1, uh, 26, 27. Are you, are you ready, Mike? Yeah, go ahead. Genesis 1 and 26. And Elohim said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So Elohim created man in his own image. In the image of Elohim created he him. Male and female created he them. Okay. So Yahweh made man and he made him 
in the image of himself. And uh, although he made him quite imperfect, because, you know, I'm kind of thinking along these lines that he, uh, he put the earth plane in, in our control and look what we've done to it. You know, it's just, it's a sad situation. Um, Um, but back into two and seven again, read that again, please. Genesis two and seven. And Yahweh Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Okay. I, I, I didn't catch that the first time, but you, it says, he made man of the dust of the ground. Like it's not even good fertile soil. He made it made us out of dust. Mm -hmm. But the only good thing about us is that he breathed into man the breath of life. And you know, so he breathed into Adam. And then from then on, Adam started breathing. Yahweh's name until the last breath when he breathes out and he's done. Okay. Um, let's go back to the scripture reading. Do you want to that one? Yeah, please. Um, John three and one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Yahshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from Elohim, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except Elohim be with him. Okay, so read two again. The same came to Yahshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou Wait art a minute. When did he come? What night? By night. Okay, so he is a leader of the Jews, but he's kind of sneaking around to see Yahshua in the night. Keep going. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from Elohim, for no man can do these... Now, he doesn't say I, does he? No, we know. We know. Mm -hmm. So whether he wants whether he, he wants to admit this in the daylight, he's saying that the scribes and the Pharisees realize that Yahshua has some really some power. Mm -hmm. We know that thou art a teacher come from Elohim. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except Elohim be with him. Mm -hmm. Yahshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Yahweh. Okay. And Nicodemus says, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So obviously Nicodemus doesn't have the foggiest idea what Yahshua was talking about here. Keep going. Five. Yahshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Yahweh. Okay. But doesn't everybody, isn't everybody born by water? Because mm-hmm. what happens just before you born? The, the bag of waters breaks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of the spirit. That's a little different. Keep going. He cannot enter into the kingdom of Yahweh. Uh huh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it come and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Yahshua answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. Okay. If I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And this next verse is the famous John 3.16. Go ahead. (laughs) For Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Um. I, I I think I'm just going to let it at that. Um, it's just, there's nothing really coming to me. Um, I just want to say that I, I, I appreciate that you, you wanted to give me a chance. And I really do enjoy these classes. And I'm just going to take my, my seat and have someone else teach us something tonight. But thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Michael. Um, I didn't type fast enough for my moderator. Uh, I'll take the next spot here, if you don't mind. And uh, this is Steve Ganya, the Dean from Madison. Hello, everyone. Um, tonight we had a, a topic we're trying. We have some newer people and we just try to make some sort of a topic up so that we have direction and we can see track what we've covered some things. And today was, why was man created? And uh, Michael, you know, we caught him off guard. (laughs) Hi, Mike. Anyhow, he did a nice job. Got uh, Genesis where man was, uh, let's get Genesis the one. And uh, uh, I'm going to go back over some of the things that he had here. And one in 26, can uh, you read for me, Andrea? Yep. Hold on one sec. Let me get over there. 
Genesis one twenty six. And Elohim said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the so he was made in the image of likeness of the creator, and he said, Let us, and we know the us is that Yahweh in uh, the form of Yahweh Elohim is both male and female. So Adam was created both male and female because Eve was inside him. So he was created in the image and likeness of our creator. And Mike pointed out with this chart up that we have up here, we always like to show you how the tabernacle pattern is the pattern of everything that Yahweh created in this creation. And uh, man is made in the image by the pattern. And man on the right-hand side of this uh, tabernacle, it says man by the pattern, the head cavities in the most holy place. The chest cavity, thoracic cavity has the heart, the aortic arch, or a sewing machine, and a set of lungs. That was for Andrea. And then the court <laughs> roundabout has the kidneys and the, the uh, what is it, uh, quickening uh, adrenal glands, and then the small and large intestines. And this correlates over to the tabernacle, which has the most holy place, holy place and court roundabout. And hopefully most of you have heard how the pattern itself, the principles of the pattern down in the court roundabout, we have a principle of death. We have a principle with the labor of water where she's pointing, there's a cleansing and a quickening with the holy anointing oil. Well, if you go over to the body, there's uh, everything you eat goes to your colon and uh, is consumed in your colon. And uh, it's where the nutrients are gathered. And so there's a sacrifice, something died so that you could live just like on the left-hand side, the, something had to die so that you could live. The, the, uh, the kidneys are for cleansing. There's a cleansing in the altar, the court roundabout at the uh, labor of water. And there's a quickening with the adrenal glands, a quickening in the uh, with the holy anointing oil, which was poured over the priest so that he would do the service without failure. And the adrenal glands are the fight or flight hormones and so on and so forth. So this pattern, we can show you that Elohim, uh, I would like to, Elohim gave us this pattern on Mount Sinai when Moses went up into the mountain. And we'll get that in just a second. But this shows how man is made in the image and likeness of his creator. We use this pattern all the time, and Dr. Kinley revealed this to us, that nobody's teaching you this. Nobody gets this. Nobody understands this. Uh, I still remember my first class. They went over this, and I, I just stood there in awe going, they were telling me things in the scriptures, and I could actually follow along and, and say, I see what you're showing me here, you know, and, and they were correlating the different things in the body to the things in the altar, and I remember in my head, they seemed to be rushing along and I would go, that's a good correlation. Oh, he's in a hurry. He's not giving me a good correlation on that one and so on and so forth. But the point is years and years later, I realized it's endless, the different things that you can show and work with, with this pattern. But man and made in the image and likeness of his creator. Um, I want to get uh, Exodus 25, and then I also I want to get to 1 John 5 and 7. I want to have that read, read first, and then I'll go there. 
John in the New Testament, he's the one on the Isle of Patmos. He also wrote 1 John, and he's writing here, and he's talking about the supernal nature of the Creator, and he says this. 1 John 5 and 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. So the there's, five... three things, there's three things, and they're all in heaven. Did you catch that? So read. Mm -hmm. The Father. The Word and the Holy Spirit. And okay. these three, these three are one. These three are one. So, okay. And then the next verse is. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. So they agree to what is in heaven, just like the human body agrees with the tabernacle. It's an agreement. We're made in that image. It's an agreement, the blood, the water, and the spirit. And, uh, or you could say death, burial, and resurrection is the same as the blood, the water, and the spirit. Uh, down in the tabernacle, there was four points of blood around the uh, uh, altar of sacrifice down at the bottom on the left, Andrea, or Callie. I think you're doing it, Callie. Yeah, there you go. And then the water is the labor of water and the spirit, blood, water, and spirit. These things are open to the public and can be seen these typify the flesh blood water spirit represent things that we can't see three in heaven okay or it's the principle of a death of a sacrifice the burial in the labor and the resurrection or the quickening that allows the priest to go up and do the service in the tabernacle so it's blood water spirit or death burial resurrection uh so on um and all of this is showing us that we're made in the image and likeness of our creator. And uh, let's go get the tabernacle at the top of Mount Sinai. And uh, I'll try to get over to John, the 14th chapter two, uh, where the Messiah talks. And first John, uh, or John one and one is another one I'm going to want. Okay, uh, so get for me Exodus. 25, is it 8 and 9, and 9 and 10, or? Hold on one sec. I think it's 8 and 9 that you want. Okay. Exodus 25 and 8. Um, actually, Exodus 25, excuse me, let me start this again. Exodus 24 and 9. Okay. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. So if you look at this chart here, Callie's going to show you that this is Mount Sinai. It says Mount Sinai. And you got 70 people here, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and, and Joshua and Moses. 73 people plus Moses and, and Joshua see something. So then went up Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders read. Where were you reading? Just read where you reading. Exodus, do you want me to start over? Start over. Okay. It was Exodus 24 and 9. Okay. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. See, and it's on this chart is my point. Read. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. And it's pointing, if you follow the little white light up and Moses is at the top, they're both, all of them are looking at Yahweh Elohim. 
in this visionary shape and form that they saw. Okay, read. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. So Moses writes down he had feet. They saw feet. And he's standing on a sapphire stone, or what we come to know is he's standing over Earth. When the, they finally went off and left this planet in the 60s, and they looked back and took pictures, they marveled that it was this blue sapphire stone it, with the clouds on it. If you ever see a sapphire stone, they're blue, and they have these white swirls in them. That's what the Earth looked like, a sapphire stone. Well, Moses knew this. Moses wrote this. Anyhow, read. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. So he's got a body of heaven. He's got a heavenly body. That's why it's clear. But they're seeing it still because it's a vision. They're recognizing it as a heavenly body. Read. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Okay. He laid not his hand. So he has hands, feet, and a body. So this is the creator, the one that's giving the vision that's showing himself to be what he is here okay he's got a body a heavenly body this is what is known as yahweh elohim because if you read in john 1 and 18 it says no man has seen yahweh at any time but these people saw the elohim this is yahweh elohim this is the second part of the godhead yahweh nobody gets to see that's the father this is the son yahweh elohim and then Yahshua in the flesh is the Holy Spirit, or this is the Holy Spirit, and that's all complicated right now, but we'll just say there's one, two, three manifestations, one, or two manifestations of the one Yahweh, I'll put it correctly. So this is what they saw, and then you go to 25 and 8 and 9 or 9 and 10, they were told to build a tabernacle. So Moses, he saw Yahweh Elohim, and so did they. But then you know, Moses stayed up in the mount, and he was shown the Genesis, and he was shown the making of this tabernacle. And this, the point of that is, is when he, what he recognized was Yahweh Elohim was the pattern of everything. Go to the top of this chart, back out of this picture, go, show me the whole chart. It says Elohim, the archetype, original pattern of the universe, this is what the founder who had the vision wrote. He took the scriptures and showed how Moses was shown this panoramic vision and gave us the scriptures where he was shown it. And this was the Elohim is the archetype. The word archetype means original. That's why original is put in parentheses. Elohim is the original pattern of the universe. So man was made in the pattern of the universe of Yahweh Elohim. And that dust that Michael was talking about, he made him of the dust. The dust represents spirit. He made us, there's nothing else to make us from but Yahweh himself. He did not make us from nothing. He used from himself. He reached within himself and created the man of that spirit. And it's referred to as the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into the man the breath of life and he became a living soul. He made him alive. Yeah, if Yahweh doesn't breathe in you, you were never going to be alive. He is life. His name, Yahweh, means to breathe, to be. If you're going to be and you're going to breathe, Yahweh has to put his breath in you. He is, 
you know, you have two systems in your body. You have the uh, voluntary and involuntary systems. Now, I don't sit here and pay attention to my heartbeat and say, oh, my heart's not, I should slow it down right now. I'll slow it down. Okay, I'm going to do some exchange of proteins and carbon. You know, I'm not doing that. That's involuntary in my body. My body is, is on its own. That's the spirit of Yahweh. Whatever I have control in is putting too many Cheetos in me and sitting too long and so on and so forth, you know. So that's the voluntary aspect of the thing. But Yahweh involuntarily keeps you alive. What you do with it, you know, is another thing. So it just shows that there's a spirit mode that is operating in each one of us. You know, why do the birds fly south and come north and so on and so forth? Everything is, 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 everything is here to glorify the, the Father or Yahweh. You know, the, the waves in the ocean they, they come in Yahweh. You hear birds fly and their wings are Yahweh and so on and so forth. Everything is glorifying the Father uh, through his creation. Just like, a, and, uh, you know, I'll use this reference we've talked about many times where if a, an artist does a painting, you know, it, it's something that represents his, what he's trying to show or a poet writes a poetry. He's trying to express an emotion or something, something he knows, and he's trying to put it across. Same thing with a painting. He's appreciated. A good artist can put things on that you just, you just are mind-blowing that somebody could actually do that with a brush. And uh, same thing, uh, plays, uh, novels, you know, all these kind of things are of a higher caliber than... Uh, uh, I don't know what else, but anyhow, let me move on. I digressed. Uh, so we got uh, man's made in the image according to a pattern, but we still don't know why. And uh, I want to, you know, he made a covenant with man back here. He separated out a nation um, and made an agreement with them so he could reveal himself to them. And the children of Israel, Yahweh gave them laws and ordinances, and he said to them, if you keep these things, it will be your righteousness. He said, I will be your husband, and you will be my people. I will be there and take care of you, so on and so forth. He's, he's really making a relationship, a husband and a bride. He's, he's the husband, and you're the bride. That's what he's showing back here with the covenant to the children of Israel. Okay? So, and... The, the end all to it all was the first covenant couldn't be kept. Uh, where is it? There were none righteous, no, not one. Sasha, if you got it or anybody. Psalms uh, 14 and 1. And somewhere in the New Testament. And uh, Romans 3 chapter as well. Okay, can I get one? Uh, when do you get uh, Psalms 13 and 1 and one and get it in Romans 3rd chapter what? Psalms 14 and 1. 14 and 1. So could we read those both? Yep. Psalms 14 and 1. Thank you, Gail. The, sure. The fool said, hath said in his heart, there is no Yahweh. They mm -hmm. are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Mm -hmm. 
So if you, you, you know, the fool, <laughs> you know, uh, if you read Psalms, you're, we're without an excuse, David talks about, for knowing something about our creator. He says, the heavens declare the glory and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day, other speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. He speaks mm -hmm. to us. He's talking to us. And a fool thinks that, you know, this came from nothing. Okay, and then get the other one. Romans 3, 10, 11. Thank you. Hold on one second. You said Romans 3 and 11, right? That's whatever 10. Sasha said. <laughs> 10. 3 and 10. Romans 3 and 10. There we go. As it is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. Mm -hmm. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after Yahweh. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Yahweh wants to be known by his people. And he makes a covenant back under this old covenant, which separated the children of Israel, makes a covenant to make himself known. To be known. And then he's going to take care of his bride. I mean, it's just, this is what he's, he's after. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the children of Israel were dumbfounded. And where is it uh, where they said, uh, who has an Elohim so nigh unto them? Uh, you know, they were, uh, people marveled when they went and, when they, you know, Moses raised his hands and they were in a battle and while his hands were up, they won. And if he got tired and put his hands down, they were losing because Yahweh was with them. He was nigh unto them. He was near unto them. He took care of them. Their shoes in the wilderness didn't wear out. He fed them, you know, just like children. They were the children of Israel. You know, your kids are at home. You take care of them and, and you clothe them and, and uh, everything because of the instinctive love of the offspring that is in you. And Yahweh has, the reason mankind has an instinctive love of their offspring is because Yahweh has it. And he said it so. So uh, I wanna go over to uh, John the 14th chapter. This is the Messiah uh, before he takes off the flesh and is crucified and before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's getting close to his last days. And uh, we, it'll speak for itself here. Can we read 14 and 1? And 14 and 1. Let not your heart be troubled. He's talking to the apostles or the disciples at this time. Read. You believe in Yahweh, believe also in me. You know the difference between an apostle and a disciple is? Mm -hmm. The word apostle is means eyewitness. And, and the type of eyewitness, you could say, well, the disciples were eyewitness. But the true eyewitness is when you see something. You say, ah, I see that. I get it. That type of an eyewitness where you see the principle of the thing. 
you know, you can't, you get exercises for mathematics to, to learn to add and subtract. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you get the whole, I get it. Now I start doing it all the time and all my answers are right. And we move on to division and, and all kinds of things. But uh, the eyewitness uh, account is when they became, when the Holy Spirit was put in them, then they understand. And we can pick that up in Luke 24. Uh, he opened their understanding, please. Can I get that? And then I'll go back to this. Let mm -hmm. your heart be troubled. 24 and 44, 45. Yep. Yeah. Yeshua had resurrected at this point. And he's walking around a third day, uh, three days after his death, when he should have resurrected. And the, they're all walking around mournful. And he's amongst them, but they don't recognize him because he's not in this physical body. And uh, he, he meets them and he's asking them some questions like, so why are you guys all sad? And it's the third day and he should have resurrected and all this stuff. And and then uh, go down to in 24, where, where he goes, he, oh, fools and slow of heart. We'll read there and then we'll go up to the 40. I got to get over there for you. I, I can't do this off the top of my head because I can't remember. Uh, Verse 25. Luke 24, 25. Are you ready? Thank you. Yep. Always ready. Just like Ricky. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. See? So he listened to all their story, and he goes, Oh, you fools and slow of heart to believe everything I said to you. Read. Ought not? Ought not Yahshua to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Mm-hmm. And beginning at Mm-hmm. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Mm -hmm. So he had told them of things to come and things they had to do and talked about the kingdom and all these things. And now he's dead and he's come back and he's going back right to Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He had to go through a death, burial, resurrection. Because in the Passover, there was a death, burial, resurrection. In, in all these, uh, the Noah's Ark story represents a death, burial, resurrection. The Abraham story with Isaac offering him up is a death, burial, resurrection story. And on and on and on and on. So read, uh, drop down. Oh, and uh, let's go uh, 32. 32. Oh, wait, 31, 31. 31. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. So as he's talking to them, they all of a sudden they go, they knew him. They heard, they, it was shown to them who he was. Read. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? I'll bet they did. And then they rose in the same hour. Uh, dropped 35. 35. Just, and they yeah. told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking bread. So when he was breaking bread, that's what gave it away. I think that was in 30. 
back up above. But anyhow, all this was said, and uh, 44 and 45 I'd like. So here's Joshua and his resurrection to these specific people that were disciples and are soon to become eyewitnesses, knowing what's in the scriptures, knowing to why he brought up everything he brought up. Everything that was in the scriptures was is going to be open to them. And it's all going to come together to show that it was him. We don't need the body anymore. They've got the scriptures and everything he said. And they can see Yahshua plainly through the scriptures. Read. I think you said 44, right? I did. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So at that point, he opened their understanding to what he was saying in the scriptures. They were always walking with him and he was a comfort to them to be with, but they were always asking him, why do you talk in parables? Why do you use these kind of things? What does it mean? Show, give us the meaning. He would talk to the whole crowd, everybody, and they would later on go, what did it mean? They didn't understand what he was saying. So the same thing's happening, but all of a sudden he opened their understanding. Now this is written by Luke. And so he must have been there. So he's making this account, open their understanding that they might understand the scripture or he's relaying it from the other apostles. Anyhow, the point is, there was a change after his death, burial, resurrection in the covenant than there is in this chart here. The, one, the first covenant had ordinances and a worldly sanctuary that could not make him the came. Where is that in Romans or Hebrews? Uh, Hebrews uh, nine, and nine. nine and nine. But you could start at one, nine and one, and then drop the nine. I need that real quick. Hebrews nine and one. Thank you. Mm -hmm. For verily. Yep. Then verily, the first covenant okay. had, al had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. This is all going to come around and come together as to how we're made in his image and why. Because the why is going to be we're going to get an inheritance. He made us because we're sons and we get an inheritance. Yahweh isn't stagnant, just staying Yahweh and that's it. He's constant, you know, it's like I used to train people how to do a job. And I tell them when I was training, I could show you everything I got today, everything I know about this job. And tomorrow I'll know more than you because I'll always know more every day, every day, every day. And I wasn't kidding. I, I mean, they, they found out soon. I was always learning. And, and, and you apply that to Yahweh. He's, he's always on the move, always, I'd say expanding. It's not perfect description of him, but he's always, he's got to demonstrate that he's love. If pride is a negative action in the fact that the mystery of iniquity takes pride in everything he does. It's for his own glory. Yahweh passes out his love and just by giving it to you, he gets glory. And it's just the way it is. A child, you know, we automatically love our parents. You don't, you don't have to train on it. You don't have to think about it. They take care of you, wipe your nose, change your beds and underwear and give you feed, feed you, put clothes on you, everything. 
and uh, so on. Anyhow, I'm trying to make this thing go. I got, uh, uh, what did I have waiting? Uh, Hebrews 9 and 9, do you want? Yeah, 9 and 1 and then 9 and 9. Okay, 9 and 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service mm -hmm. and a worldly sanctuary. Mm -hmm. It's and like them being disciples. They were disciples and then they got the understanding. Remember I was showing you how this difference between a disciple and an apostle is almost like the old covenant. It is like the old covenant versus the new covenant. You were disciplined under one, but then as I get older, I don't have to be told how to brush my teeth. I do it on my own now. I don't have to, I'm the parent now. See, it's a whole different ball game. And that's what the new covenant is. Joshua in you, it's intimate. It's, it's a personal uh, 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 relationship. So, verily, the first covenant of ordinances, read, Gail. Had or, uh, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service right. and, a world, and a worldly sanctuary. So it had jobs for everybody to do. They had to do things all the time. Read. Two, for there was a tabernacle made. See, the they had first, a tabernacle. Read. Keep wherein, going. Wherein I'm busting on you. You keep reading. <laughs> the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shoe bread, which is called okay. the sanctuary. Okay, jump down to nine now. So there was this whole tabernacle pattern and, and a sanctuary and things that had to be done. And, and everybody had to obey the Ten Commandment law plus the 600 and some other ordinances. And if you broke any one of them, you had to bring something to the vessel of salvation. And it was so you were busy. Going, oh, that's right, I was coveting. Oh, I, I uh, didn't uh, worship Yahweh on the Sabbath. Oh, you know, I overslept or whatever. You know, I forgot to get my kids circumcised on the eighth day. And everything was measured. You know, what you ate, thought, did was measured. And anytime you broke anything, it's, you know, we had that read. None were righteous, no, not one under mm -hmm. that covenant. So here we go down to nine. He's talking about, this is Paul, he's saying to people who were under that covenant, you had all this stuff, but one thing it didn't do, read. Which was a figure for the time then present, mm -hmm. in, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices, that which that could not make him that did the service perfect. As so he's describing the tabernacle, it had a worldly service and all this stuff, but what it didn't do, read that again. Which was a figure for the time then present. Uh -huh. In An which were a figure read, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices right. Right. that could not make him that did the service perfect as right. pertaining to the conscience. It didn't do anything for the inner man. That's the point. He gave us this to show that we need a savior, and this was in it, his intent all along was to save us. Now he he gave us the opportunity without him to try to be righteous. He was going to take care of you. He was going to be with you, but he wasn't going to be in you. And he was going to, you know, you were supposed to try to do what he asked you, but no one could keep it. No, not one. And that it proved out. So the new covenant is Joshua in you. You need to be an eyewitness. Well, how did they become eyewitnesses? They saw him in the flesh. That wasn't it. They had to see him in their mind's eye. 
They had to come to understand. Things had to be opened up to them so that they could see. You know, the light bulb had to go off. Ah, I get it. I see. That's the kind of see. That's the kind of thing that's going on here. And then uh, I need to get John the 14th chapter, and I'm going to get out of here. Uh, I'm sorry to my readers. I... I'm not easy to read for. <laughs> You're okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. Do you know where you want to start in John? John, right at one. John. They were, they were troubled. John 14, right at one, because they were troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in Elohim, believe also in me. Mm -hmm. In my father's house are many mansions. This takes place while Yahshua is still in the flesh. He hasn't gone through his death, burial, and resurrection. And, but he has said he's got to go away. He's going to go away and prepare a place. He's telling them about it. You know, he's been saying all along, I got to go back to my father and I got to set up a kingdom. They're, 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 they're antsy about all of this stuff and uh, so on. And he's been, he's been there with them for three and a half years. So let not your heart be troubled. You believe in Yahweh, believe also in me. Trust me. Read. In my father's house, read. 14 and 2. In my father's house are many mansions. Mm, if cool. it were. Sorry. I'm just commenting. He's got His father's got a lot of mansions. If it were not so, read. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So you're starting to see he's, he's telling him what he's going to do for him. Why were we created? I go to prepare a place for you. This is why you were created. He's got you down here. He's had interactions with you, but he's going to go. He's got lots of mansions, and he's going to prepare a place for you. This is what he's going to do. Read. And if I go and pre prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Wow. That where I am, there you may be also. Oh. We're, we're, and they're thinking, well, where are you? <laughs> You're standing right in front of us. <laughs> you know, it's a little confusing until it gets opened up because when this was written, they had the Holy Spirit already. But when they were standing there, before it was written, in the, before John wrote this, they were all sitting there with the same thoughts, going, all right, he's standing in front of us. <laughs> I go away, that where I am, okay, you know, pull the rabbit out of the hat, what's he talking about? So anyhow, read. And whither I go, I go you know, and the way you know. So he's telling me, you know where I'm going, and you know the way. And they're thinking, yeah, say something, Peter. Yeah, yeah, I, we know. You know, really? Now Thomas speaks up. Andrea? Yep. Thomas saith unto him. Yeah. Thomas saith unto him, Master, we know not whither you goest. And how can we know the way? He's the only one that's saying something truthful. I don't know where you're going, and I certainly don't know the way. Good move, Thomas. That's as truthful as you can be. Read. Six. Yahshua saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So nobody can come unto the Father but by me. Okay. This is Yahshua. Read. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. Wait, if you know me, you know the Father. Read. And, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And it's now they're scratching their head. Now Philip says, first it was Thomas, now Philip. Master, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Show us the Father, and we'll be okay. Yahshua says what? Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen a Father. And how sayest then, show us the Father? Uh-huh. So you've seen him, you've seen the Father, and all this kind of stuff is going on. And uh, they've got questions. You know, first it was Thomas, then it's Philip, and so on and so forth. And this whole thing, I mean, you go in the churches and they don't know what to make of this either. They just don't know around the world and, and, and so on. And we are so fortunate to have, to be able to show you that he had to open up their understanding after his death, burial, and resurrection to them while they were walking on the road. And back here before they left, he was saying all these things and they wrote it down because of what he said was important. It was, a you know, oh my gosh. Uh, he talked about he was going away, uh, dropped down to uh, 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 14. 14. Somewhere if there. you... If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Mm -hmm. And what's his name? Yahshua. And uh, people go, oh, yeah. So if I pray in the name of Yahshua, I can get a Mercedes Benz or a new mansion or a house or no. Ask in his name. And when that's one of the reasons we work with the name so hard. His name means Yahweh is salvation. So if you ask anything in the name of Yahweh is salvation, that he'll give to you. The mansions and the cars and the, you know, new jobs and, and don't lose my hair and whatever else you're asking is, you know, it's a toss up. But he's going to give you what you ask in earnest about his name, which is Yahweh is salvation. Read. I will pray 16. Oh, 15, I think you had. If you love me, keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you shall know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. Mm -hmm. I will come to you. Drop down what? to uh, 26. And he goes through a bunch of things that they got to do here. And he, he mentions this comforter thing again in 26. He says, I will. He says, he will comfort you. Now the next in 26, he's going to say something which confirms something else. Read. But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So 
the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, which he's going to pour out on the ones that are apostles now or eyewitnesses. And uh, once you've come down to this school and have had something revealed to you, or you go, I see that. And you don't just see correlations, but what you're really looking to see is, is your heavenly father. You're leaning to see that Yahweh is real. This thing is bigger than some picture, some chart, some scripture. It's speaking to me of my father, my heavenly father, through Yahshua the Messiah. So the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send his, his name, Yahweh is salvation, shall teach you all things. So as we look into the scriptures now, he opens these things up to us little by little by little like he did back there. He, he is spoon feeding us how he is and who he is. And in the inside of you, because he dwells in you, he's making the corrections in you, causing you uh, to walk in his statutes, causing you. It's not, it's like, remember I said, there's voluntary and involuntary. Well, suddenly you're being run by an involuntary system. And it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not like going to possess you, so to speak, and you're going to be walking on water or whatever. It, it, it's going to change uh, the, the type of love that I have is going to be a deeper love for the truth. The type of intelligence I have is going to be, you know, tempered with the wisdom that I learned through this gospel, the knowledge and so on. And, and, and I'm going to learn to stand in this thing and walk in this thing. And it is going to change uh, everything. The knowledge of knowing my creator. And, and this is the gift he has given us. This is why you were created. Uh, get the green chart uh, real quick, because I want that word philopogenitiveness. See, in this chart here, we, you don't have to zoom in so much, stay back a little bit, but there's the word philopogenitiveness. She's kind of zoomed in on it. It says the creator imaged by his creation. He's imaged. Everything is, represents him. The pattern represents the cell. Everything is in the image and likeness of the creator. And he has chosen mankind to put a living soul in and to reveal himself through. That's what he's done. We are offspring. And the word philopogenitiveness, the definition is the instinctive love of offspring. And, and this, you know, is, you know, people, uh, parents have a child and they, they will do anything. They'll give up their life to save their child at almost every time, you know, in general. There's always the weirdos. But uh, that's what philopogenitiveness is. And it's, it is and does exist because Yahweh caused the creation to represent it, to show it, because that's what he has, that instinctive love of his offspring, you know, and just like the potter has power over the clay, he has power over the clay to make up one love of something that he keeps and one unto destruction, and he's created this goes ties into with the mystery of iniquity and all these things where he puts you through the furnace of affliction to cause you to cry out so that he will deliver you. Uh, there's, a, there's so much more in this thing, why he's created us, and, the, and it's all about the love. It's, it's the core value 
that Yahweh has versus anything else. So uh, I'm going to relinquish. Uh, and it was my pleasure to have something to say to you all. And I hope that we uh, managed to get something across to you. And with that, hallelujah. I didn't have time to type in another name. So I'll call on the, the visiting dean from Oceanside, California, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. I want to say I want to say that I enjoyed uh, what the first two speakers had uh, expressed tonight, and I want to ask a question now. If I uh, if I caught this correctly, uh, the topic tonight was uh, uh, why is man here, and what was the second part of that topic? If you wouldn't mind reiterating that to me, please. What is his purpose? What is man's purpose? Right. right. Okay. Yep. Well, all right. If we talk about why he's here, that will also answer uh, what his purpose is. Now, in order to answer this question, we really need to understand Yahweh's purpose and plan. Because nothing exists independent or outside of Yahweh himself. Now on this chart here, uh, what we see pictured is a cloud. And this cloud was painted intentionally to circle the entire chart and uh, to show that everything that exists in the visible and invisible universe is within the cloud or within Yahweh. Now Yahweh is spirit. Let's start right there. Let's go to uh, John 4:23 and 24, please. John 4 and 24 or 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, who's making this statement, uh, Gail? Um, Yahshua's talking here. Here's Yahshua telling a, a Samaritan woman that mm -hmm. Yahweh is going to look for or seeks true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. Read the next verse, please. 24, Yahweh is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, he makes a statement here that Yahweh is spirit. Now, I can recall when I was growing up and being taught religion in the Catholic Church, we had no idea, nor was anybody ever instructing, instructing us on what spirit was. Now, if God is spirit, or Yahweh is spirit, and he wants to be worshipped in spirit, it would behoove us to know something about spirit. Now, spirit, ladies and gentlemen, our founder, after receiving a divine vision and revelation imparted to him in 1931, began to teach that Yahweh exists in a state that is inscrutable and incomprehensible without descriptive or defining shape and form. And that is that we as humans cannot perceive of him. 
We cannot see his shape. We cannot scrutinize or study it. And we can't discern it. In that state, he is the source and substance from which all things are created, both angelic and physical. Everything that exists has its origin in spirit. And it simply is Yahweh, his name, which means I will be what I will to be. Over here at the burning bush, when Moses was standing at the bush, and it's pictured on this chart, he asked God, or Elo, at that time they referred to him as El Shaddai. He asked him, what is your name? And he began to express, before he actually gave the name Yahweh, he answered and said, Eya Asher Eya, which is written on the chart there, which means by translation into English, I will be what I will to be. And the name Yahweh possesses the word Yah, Y-A-H, which you have Eya. Eya means to be. And the name Yahweh means he who causes to be or to exist. Now Yahweh in that state of pure spirit revealed to our founder in a vision and revelation that spirit is actually attributes. It is divine attributes consisting of primary attributes known as intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. Now Yahweh doesn't possess knowledge or have knowledge. He's the very substance of knowledge. He is the substance of wisdom and intelligence and of love and all the other attributes. And those attributes are infinite. There is no measure to them and impossible for you to con conceive of or perceive without them being manifested or demonstrated. So Yahweh decided within himself, he desired to have offspring and make himself known to his offspring, to reveal himself to his creatures, in other words, that he might share his intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, love, power, strength, with his creatures. So he elected to bring forth a creation, both in the angelic realm, which is a different realm than the natural creation or the universe that we live in, as far as substantive, but all things that exist were created from spirit. It's the He is also the source and substance of all things that exist and the limits and bounds. Now, I remember being taught as a Catholic that God made everything from nothing. Last night, we were at a class and Sasha showed a picture. Uh, that was painted during the Middle Ages. It was a middle, medieval perception or conception of God and Jesus Christ. God was an older man and Jesus was his son and they were both anthropomorphic beings, meaning they, they were man-like in shape. They looked like an, uh, any man walking up and down the street. Now, 
what I want you to know is that this, the Bible says in John 1.18, let's go over there and get that. Get John 1.18. John 1.18, no man has seen God at any time. Now it says in King James that no man has seen God at any time. Now listen, if no man has seen him at any time, then how can a painter paint him to portray him in a medieval artwork that is considered to be a masterpiece? It's a masterpiece of imagination, but is not reality. What Yahweh did since he was in a state and he did not have anthropomorphic shape. Yahweh in pure spirit doesn't have arms, legs, feet, and a body. What he possessed was the power of transmutation, which means changing forms. He simply, as he said, I will be what I will to be. He willed his own substance of spirit to take on a shape and form that appeared to Moses and the prophets as an anthropomorphic ghost-like body that they referred to as Elohim. And in many uh, writings down all the way down to the Old Testament, they called that form the word of Yahweh. Now that form was Yahweh limiting himself in a lesser state. It didn't take all of the intelligence and all of the knowledge and the wisdom of pure spirit to form this body. In fact, what Yahweh did was he masterminded the entire purpose right within himself and then the knowledge of what he would accomplish in this particular purpose, seeing as that it is impossible to exhaust how he actually is and truthfully exists, he decided to limit what he revealed about himself. So that we in this purpose that we live in now, in this existence, are only learning about a portion of Yahweh, or we're learning about him in part. All that can be known about Yahweh in part was manifested in the embodiment on top of Mount Sinai that we call Yahweh Elohim, which is that shape and form, which is a sampling or a limited proportion of what Yah how Yahweh actually is and truthfully exists. Now, therefore, what we see is that Yahweh is taking on and coming out of a greater state to a lesser state. Now, let's go over and read John 1.1 again. Uh, John 1.1, let's start with. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. Now hold your finger there. Somebody else, my second reader, please go over and get Genesis 1 1. And I want you to read it King James, please. Okay. Um, Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the now, earth. Now in Genesis 1 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Andrea, read John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. Now, notice in what Andrea read, there's, there's nothing being said about any creation. The question is which one is the beginning? 
Genesis says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John says in the beginning was the word. Now we have to have that discrepancy cleared up for us in order to understand something about how this purpose is going to work. What we find out and what the founder revealed to us, Dr. Kinley, that was shown to him in his vision, is that when Moses, who was the author of the book of Genesis, wrote, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Dr. Kinley would say, in the beginning of what? It was the in the beginning of his vision. Moses was sent up into the Mount of Sinai there when they went into the wilderness. Moses was called up into the cloud area at the top of the mountain where he was abided for 40 days and 40 nights. And he received, and it's written on that chart, a panoramic vision of Elohim. In that time period of 40 days, he was shown about a structure that he was going to create, make, build, or have built called the tabernacle. It actually referred to as the tabernacle pattern. And he was also shown how Elohim created the heavens and the earth, listing those seven days that you read about in the book of Genesis. So what Moses, when he writes in the beginning, he's talking about in the beginning of the vision that was shown to him. But that is not the beginning of the purpose. He's seeing something that is already put in play. That is to say he saw God creating the heavens and the earth, but we, we don't know anything about God himself being created. When you read God in your Bible, that word in, in the Hebrew Bible says Elohim. Elohim is that form that Moses saw on top of Mount Sinai that Yahweh took on. That shape and form is known as Elohim or the Word. It's often referred to by the prophets all the way down through the Bible as the Word. That is the form that Yahweh communicated to us through Therefore, it was the, referred to as the Word. Now, that form was the beginning of creation. Now, let me tell you why. Because in that state of pure spirit, Yahweh existed in a state of ontological perfection. And he did not have the shape that Moses and the prophets saw, I mean Moses and the 70 elders saw in Exodus 24 that Steve was just working with when they saw the vision of Elohim, that was not the vision of Yahweh pure spirit. That was the vision of the transmuted substance of spirit into a visionary embodiment. Now that, our founder used to say it like this, that Yahweh took on shape and form as Elohim and then went out of the creating business. Everything that was created from that point forward by Elohim, both in the angelic creation and physical, were created by that Elohistic superincorporeal form. That was the creator of heaven and earth. Now, Yahweh, his spirit, was actually functioning in the embodiment that that body that he formed, he then functioned through that body to carry forth, carry out his purpose. Now let's remember this. Let's go back. His purpose was to bring forth offspring and to reveal to his offspring 
a limited knowledge of him on how he actually is and truthfully exists. And he's going to use his purpose to illustrate principles by manifestation that will get you to understand what he is in that pure spirit state. Now, why were you created? Well, let's talk about the purpose. Get me the elementary chart, please. On the top of this chart, this was the very first chart that was painted. It was painted by a man, uh, his name was Leroy Higginbottoms, I believe, or Higginbottoms, or something of that nature. I don't remember exactly the pronunciation. But here's the point. That was painted on a bedsheet at the time. We used to always call it the bedsheet chart. And at the very top, it says in the upper left-hand corner, chart on the pattern or plan of salvation. Now after that, you see the first circle with Elohim there by himself. Now here's what that is trying to show you. That the pattern Yahweh had already foreordained, he had already masterminded his purpose and how it would come to be, how it would work, and he set up a pattern by which Things would be created, and the whole purpose would run according to the operation of the pattern. So the, the pattern proceeded, or the plan was already masterminded, before he takes on shape and form as Elohim. Once he takes on shape and form, Elohim is the embodiment of all of the knowledge of carrying forth the pattern or plan of salvation and the purpose that he would demonstrate in this purpose we are in is how he is salvation. Now why is he wanting to be a savior? Because you'll come to learn that Yahweh is revealing to us by his great plan of salvation, his kindness and mercy, and his love through the operation of his pattern or plan of salvation. Now, Elohim now, when he is put into shape and form, is actually going to carry out the preordained purpose. Now, let me use an example. Let's say for an example, you want to have a home built, a house built, and you decide what you want in that house. I want a kitchen that has an area, uh, uh, what they call an island now, for food preparation. I want to have a family room large enough for X amount of seating. Uh, I want a dining room off of that, I want a bathroom, I want two bedrooms, whatever it is. When you think about what you need, what you want to do, you then have to draw up plans in order to build that. Those plans are preordained, they are already decided before the actual construction and building takes place. Not only are the plans telling you how the uh, uh, house has to be built, but it dictates how much material we need to get the job done. How much wood, how much plaster, uh, all the things that go into a home. It's already foreordained. Now, Yahshua is, he is the one that we see in that first circle there that we call Yahweh on. That is actually Yahshua. He is the creator of heaven and earth. And 
he is carrying out the plan that is put within him for salvation, and he has to create both the angelic creation and physical out of the substance of spirit. And the plan already ordains how much spirit Yahshua can actually use to create all things. Now, Dr. Kinley used to talk about it this way. He used to say that he was given a portion of that spirit, and when he went out and created the angelic and physical, he went broke. In other words, he used all that spirit to create that was, that was allotted to him to bring forth the angelic and physical creation and then the creatures that would be put in the creation. Now the other thing that we have to understand is that Yahweh is setting up Yahshua as a king right from the beginning of the purpose. And no king can really be a king without subjects. And that's what sets up the whole process of setting up a kingdom, is that we have subjects that will be in our kingdom. So it necessitates Yahweh Elohim then to create creatures that will be, as it were, uh, that he will be preeminent over. Now let's go over to Colossians, the first chapter. This is so involved, this question, that I swear to you we're not going to get through the answer of this tonight. This whole operation of how Yahweh is going to carry out his purpose and plan for his intent to bring forth creatures to make himself known, everything Steve talked about, everything that's taught in each class, goes into an explanation of this very question that was asked tonight. Now, go over to Colossians, the first chapter, and let me get over there. Hang on for one minute. Because I want to tell you, we're going to start at 1, and let's see here. Start at 12. We're going to read down a little bit. Go ahead and read for me, please. Colossians 1 and 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light. Right there's another aspect of this question. Every one of those souls that were foreordained to be brought into existence by Yahweh, there were a portion of those souls that were chosen by him from the beginning to receive an inheritance. An inheritance is the reward at the end of the purpose. And we are going to be recipients of a great inheritance because we are sons of Yahweh and Yahshua. Every creature is a son of Yahweh, but not every creature, you understand, has the sonship through Yahshua the Messiah. Now, I'm not going to get into that. That's another lecture. Keep reading. 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now listen, we have been delivered from the power of darkness. Now you have no idea how powerful darkness is. Darkness in this re example is referring to great ignorance, total, no, no recognition or understanding of the reality of Yahweh as he actually is and truthfully exists. We all walked into the room for the first time 
every one of us were in darkness as to really knowing our Creator to the extent that is necessary for you to be acceptable. And we were delivered by that power, from that power of darkness by His dear Son unto and translated into a kingdom. Now we are the subjects that Yahweh has determined that would be in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah. For him to be the king and for us to be the recipients of his kindness. Keep reading. 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now here's what Yahweh set up. He actually set up for his creatures to have to need a savior. Because if the purpose, bring the chart a little bit further back so I can see the whole chart. All right, thank you. That's good. Now, at the top where it says the pattern or plan of salvation. Now, if you look directly underneath that and you see that first plate, that's dealing with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in the garden. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing how Eve was within Adam. She was taken out, brought into being to fulfill a commandment. The very first commandment that was given to Adam was to be fruitful and multiply. Because the purpose that Yahweh Elohim gave to Adam is the same purpose that the Father has given Elohim to carry forth, and that is to be fruitful and multiply, to have offspring. So Adam is told to have offspring, and what we see then is, he before Eve is taken out, it is impossible for him to have offspring. Therefore Yahweh has to take the woman out of the man so that she can be a acceptable as it says, help meet, or that is to say, a mate for him to bring forth offspring. Now what I want you to understand is, the commandment about eating the fruit, this is what we were led to believe in Christianity. That God said to Adam, that if he ate the fruit, he would surely die. And the founder said, now that's not what it says in your Bible. He didn't say, if you eat, you will surely die. He said, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. It wasn't Yahweh waiting to see whether Adam would eat it or not. It was Yahweh letting Adam know when he did eat it that he was going to die. And if Adam had not eaten that fruit, there would have been no need for a Savior. But Yahweh set it up according to the purpose that the man was going to have to fall from that tree in a state of spiritual death due to condemnation because of disobedience. That sets up the need for salvation and a Savior. And that same sin that Adam committed was imputed upon all mankind or his future offspring. Now there's a lengthy explanation to many of the things I just said, but I'm giving you a synopsis because of time. Now, when Adam then commits that sin, he is sent out of the garden, and now he's got a uh, stopwatch on, if you will, that his life is ticking down to the point where he will eventually die and go to the grave, and he will have offspring. He had no children while he was in the Garden of Eden. His children came about after he was sent out of the garden, and everyone then from that point forward that was born out of the lineage of Adam, which means all humans, needed a savior needed redemption and atonement. And Yahweh set that up so that when the Messiah came in to die 
on that cross, there wasn't, and the Bible says there was none righteous, no, not one. That means there was nobody worthy of eternal life. We were all sinners, every one of us. It says there was none righteous, no, not one, for we have all sinned and come short of righteousness. Therefore, when the Messiah came, he stated his purpose. Now, one thing I want to say about when the Messiah came. Uh, Andrea, are you still in John 1-1? No, I'm in Colossians. All right, uh, uh, Gail, get me John 1-1 and then read 1-14. Yep, John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh. Now that Word, that Word was Elohim. He was the firstborn of every creature. Read. And the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. Now not only was that Word with the Father, with Yahweh, with pure spirit, it was Yahweh. Read. 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now when that baby was born there, that you read about in the manger from a virgin, which is all according to prophecy, that was Yahweh Elohim now walking around in that body as a human being or as a physical man. Now what I want you to know is he came in the world for a purpose. And he told the Pharisees, the Pharisees would ask him, well, why do you always hang out and drink with these uh, with these wine bibbers. Why are you hanging out with drunkards? Why do you hang around with people that don't wash their hands before they eat? All these kind of things that they felt were forms of righteousness. Yahshua told him, I didn't come to save the righteous, but I came to save sinners and call sinners unto repentance. Now, we read in Revelations that Yahshua was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. What we realize is that the sacrifice was prepared right from the beginning of the purpose before there was a sin committed. You say, well, how can you prove that? Well, at the foundation of the world, there was no creatures. Why do we have to have a lamb slain if there's nobody that, that needed a sacrifice? Well, here's how it works. In over there on the Moses chart. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you, there's so much to this thing, it's absolutely incredible. Now, here's what we see. Do you know that the book of Genesis is not the first book of the Bible? You say, what do you mean by that? The actu in actuality, the first book of the Bible was Exodus. People assume that the book of Genesis was stories handed down from one generation to another and that Moses just had it, them write it down and put it in a, in, a, in a parchment. But the truth is that that's not how it came about. After Moses brought the people out of the land of Egypt to the, and gathered around Mount Sinai, Moses went up into the mountain, as I told you, for 40 days and 40 nights. In that mountain, Yahweh Elohim gave Moses a vision and showed him how he created the creation. In those six days and the seventh day he rested, and that book of Genesis was a vision given to Moses, which means that that book of Genesis could have been put right within the book of Exodus. 
Now, why is that important to note? Here's why. Down in the land of Egypt, in order for the children of Israel to come up out of that state, and the state of Egypt at the time of the plagues, the whole land of Egypt was in a state of death and darkness. And Yahweh saved Israel by having them take the blood of a lamb that was slain and put it around their door and to consume or eat that lamb so that that would allow them not to be killed or uh, stop them from being killed by the death angel when it passed over their house. Now that lamb was slain down there, and then after that, they ate that lamb, they ate the Passover, and then they came up to the Red Sea, where eventually the Red Sea was parted, and they went into the wilderness of Sinai. Then Moses had to go up into the mountain. This is 53 days after the death of the lamb. Then Moses goes up into the mountain where Yahweh shows him the creation of the heavens and the earth. So here's what we got. We got sequentially that the lamb down in Egypt, the lamb was slain before the vision to Moses of the foundations of the world. So the lamb was slain from the foundations of the world. You understand it? That's witnessed by how the Exodus worked and why Yahweh didn't reveal that Genesis until Moses goes up in that cloud. All those people that lived down through the book of Genesis, none of them knew this story until Moses saw it in the vision. Now, I'm telling you all this to show you that Yahshua, over there in Colossians, were saved by his blood. Go back over to Colossians. We have forgiveness of sin, even uh, uh, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. 14. Read that again. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Read. Who is the image of the invisible Elohim. The now, Yahshua is the image of the invisible Elohim. The what? Firstborn of every creature. He's the firstborn of every creature. Elohim is the firstborn of of every creature. Truthfully, Yahshua is Elohim. He's the firstborn of all things. Read. For by him were all things created. By Yahshua all things were created. Read. That are in heaven and that are in earth. Read. Visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Now it was Elohim that created the angelic creation, all the angels, including Lucifer, and created mankind. All creatures. Read. All things were created by him and for him. Read. And he is before all things. Now, he was before all things. Before anything existed, Elohim was before that. Read. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things consist by him. Nothing would be in existence without him. And remember, he's simply carrying out the purpose that the Father had imbued within him to carry forth and execute and accomplish. Read. And he is the head of the body, the assembly, who is the beginning. Now listen, the if there was no assembly, then he wouldn't be the head. Well, Yahweh made it so that Yahshua would be the head of the assembly. The assembly is a congregation of souls. That's what the church is. People go, what church do you belong to? 
Well, there's only one church that any of us should belong to, and that is the church of Yahshua the Messiah, which means the body of Yahshua, as a member of that assembly. Read. And that in all things he might have the preeminence. Look, he is the head of the body, the, the church of the assembly, who is the beginning, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Yahshua is going to have preeminence above all the angels, above all of mankind. Not one creature can say they were saved except by the hand of Yahshua in his grace and in his mercy. And Yahweh was revealing something about himself in that state of pure spirit by having the purpose demonstrate great mercy, great love, great kindness, the willingness to die for you when he was without sin, where he didn't deserve what they did to him. But he died anyway to take upon him, he took your sins, your iniquities, your shortcomings to make an atonement to the Father on your behalf. And without him you could not, quote, go to heaven. People die all the time. You go to these funerals and every funeral they preach the person that died is up. I, we know they're up in heaven right now. Listen. You cannot go to heaven except Yahshua be in you. And Paul says that in this book of Colossians here, the first chapter. Read the 26th verse. Even the mystery which have been hid from ages and from generations. Now this mystery, this mystery was hid all the way down through 4,000 years of history until the time of the Messiah. Read. But now is made manifest to his sons. Please read. To whom Elohim would make known what is the riches of glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Yahshua in you, the hope of glory. Now Yahshua in you, Dr. Kinley used to say this. He used to he added this right to that, that verse. He is the only hope of glory. Unless Yahshua be in you, you are not going to heaven, ladies and gentlemen. You are not going to receive righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom unless that spirit be within you. So Yahweh purposed for him to create creatures to demonstrate his great love and kindness and mercy toward those creatures that were imperfect by putting his spirit in them and causing them to receive a new nature, a nature that was pleasing, that would allow them then to live in a state of eternal peace, eternal joy, and eternal righteousness. Yahweh is demonstrating himself through the acts and carrying forth and executing of his great purpose and plan. You were created for this purpose, whether you know it or not, to play a part in Yahweh's purpose. And you might have been walking around, I don't care how old you were before you came into this teaching, you were walking around thinking you were a self-existing independent deity from God. You really are not. Everything that exists is Yahweh. There's nothing, even the rock that you look at on the ground is made ultimately its source and substance is spirit. 
and the universe is nothing more than spirit materialized. Your soul was made from the spirit of Yahweh. Everything that exists is him and he owns it. But he takes great pleasure in revealing himself to you and causing you to become one with him through growing in knowledge and understanding by the foolishness of preaching. That's why it's important for you to continue to come to this class and learn about Yahweh's great purpose and plan for you. Because you're playing a part in it, ladies and gentlemen. You are a necessary aspect of the purpose. And Yahshua has called you out of darkness. He has called you and brought you down here where you can partake in a great revelation, a great understanding of how he actually is and truthfully exists and come to know him, and love him, and honor him, and he will bless you, and he will glorify you, and he will give you the keys to the kingdom, and cause you to become a new creature in him. And that's what you are doing, ladies and gentlemen. You are, and listen, go get me uh, John, the third chapter again. Uh, Good John, the third chapter, and start reading, uh, rate starting at one, please. I got about, what, five minutes left. John 3. John 3, 1. 3, 1. Somebody start, please. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Yahshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from Elohim. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest. Now here, come, here comes a religious leader to at, at, at night, so nobody would see him as it was already expressed, and tells him, we know, we know that you are a teacher that has come from Elohim because of the miracles you do. Keep reading. and Keep um, reading. Three. Yahshua answered and said unto him, Yahshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. Now he said you have to be born again. Now you have to understand when Yahshua was talking to Nicodemus, he has not poured his spirit out yet till the day of Pentecost, so nobody has the Holy Spirit in order to comprehend the reality of what Yahshua was saying. We were all, before receiving the Holy Spirit, a carnal mind, meaning not spiritual, not able to understand or perceive. But with the Holy Spirit, it is revealed to you what the Messiah is saying, and it's opened up to your understanding. And, and here's Nicodemus, who is a teacher that doesn't know these things. And he said, you have to be born again. Keep reading. For Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now Nicodemus thinks he's talking about actually physically having to be born over again. Read. Yahshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Now here's the water. It is not you being baptized. You have to be born of living water. And Yahshua told the woman at the well when he asked her for a drink of water. 
He, she said, if you would have known who it was that asked you for this drink of water, meaning I am Yahweh Elohim, he said, you would have asked me for water and I would have given you living water. And in John 7.38, Yahshua said, He that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You have to be born of that living water, ladies and gentlemen, and it's not physical H2O. It is the knowledge and understanding and wisdom that is expressed of Yahweh and his purpose and plan down through the law and the prophets or the Old Testament of the Bible, the scriptures. And that is a river of living water watering your soul. And what does that do? It quickens your soul. Your soul is dead whether you realize it or not because you have no consciousness of your creator when you're walking around thinking you're a self-existing deity or, or entity, excuse me. And what happens is that this Knowledge, when it is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, will enlighten you and you suddenly you'll have a conscious realization, hey, Yahweh is real and he really does exist. And what happens from that point forward is you'll begin to grow in divine intelligence, divine wisdom, divine knowledge and divine love and divine power and justice and beauty and strength. The attributes are starting to form in you. Your soul is an ovum, and the words of eternal life as they're preached are the sperm that will quicken the soul and cause impregnation of the Holy Spirit and cause a formation of a new nature in you. That's the new creature. And unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of Yahweh. And that's what Yahweh, or that's what Yahshua uh, was sent in the world to do, was to quicken our inner man and, to and cause us to change, to take on a new nature, and thereby be recipients of an inheritance. You were purposed before you were even created to this end. I hope you got something out of it, and I hope it made some sense to you, and I'm going to hand it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. I would like to thank all of the visiting brethren from our various branch schools that were able to come out and join us this evening. And now to dismiss us with the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy, to the only wise Yahweh, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.